This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome into another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb, joined as always by Michael Pina, Rich Levine, still scouting for some two-way deals and um, and some summer league prospects. He will be joining us uh, next week, but... For now, Mike and I are here to go through a very eventful draft night for the Boston Celtics involving a pair of trades, uh, four actual picks, uh, saying goodbye to a beloved veteran center, and um, some reaction for the first time from for Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens in the wake of all sorts of uh, free agency speculation. Uh, before we get to all that, uh, please subscribe to the Big Three. I mean, excuse me, please subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast. Wow, what a slip! No, what a slip! Um, you can just subscribe to Big Three too; they'll probably still pop up. <laughs> but Winning Plays uh, on iTunes or wherever you get us, please rate us, review us on there. Um, Five star ratings are always appreciated, and we do appreciate you guys listening. Um, in the last month, has probably been our most listened to month ever um, of the podcast. So. Please spread the word. Obviously, we'll have a ton more of these coming for you guys in the next couple of weeks as things uh, really ramp up. But, Mike, the uh, pretty eventful night, even though the Celtics tried to move up, didn't get there, uh, stayed pat at number 14, and that was, I guess, the first surprise of the night. Uh, Romeo Langford, the pick out of Indiana. Uh, your initial thoughts on the swingman? I mean, it was definitely an eventful night, and uh, you know, heading into it, we discussed on <clears throat> our last episode about the likelihood that the Celtics would use all of their picks, and uh, you know, they I, they used they kept fourteen. Uh, they traded, they made a couple trades, but uh, they'll bring in at least two uh, or th- three. three. Pot- Carson three, Edwards yeah. is yeah. taking this team. Yeah, so three. So we were, uh, which which I think will surprise some people, but uh, I overall I like it. I like the type of player that they brought in, um, guys who, uh, you know, speaking just first with Langford. I mean, a dude who like gets to the free throw line is sorely and is aggressive and is a slasher. It's kind of what the Celtics have missed for quite a while now. I mean, they they wanted. I mean, Kyrie Irving is not a guy who lived at the free throw line. They wanted Jason Tatum to be that person last year. He wasn't able to do it. Gordon Hayward was obviously still shell-shocked from his injury. Uh, so just getting someone who isn't, uh, who, whose game is more uh, geared towards aggressively attacking the basket is good. You know, obviously the three-point shooting is tough, and the Celtics have a, a long history of drafting players, uh, athletic guards and wings who cannot shoot, and there have been mixed results there. But I, I think I, I've i settled into accepting this pick, is a good way to say it, for 14. <laughs> uh, I don't have a huge problem with it, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of what they did uh, after that. Yeah, that seem, this seems to be the like most disappointing pick of the night out of the four. Um, just in terms of, you know, mixed reaction on it. Um, but no, like, I mean, this, I've couple people compared the situation to the Avery Brad situation in like 2010, where it's a guy who was a top five prospect heading into the year, 
uh, had a bad year. Obviously, the injury explains to his thumb. Uh, torn ligaments explains some of the, the poor shooting numbers. 27% for three, obviously pretty pretty wretched. But you bet that, hey, this is, you know, the Celtics scout this guy going all the way back to high school, obviously. And he was top five for a reason before the year started. So you think you can get him in the right system. Like you said, the free throw um, ability is huge there. And... Yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see how ready he is to help right away since obviously he's, I think he's just 19 um, or 20. He might have just turn 20, but still very young, but has the scoring ability um, in place as a matter of how efficient he can be while while doing it. Yeah, the good news is the Celtics didn't or weren't even able to draft Cameron Johnson from UNC, who is like 16 years older than Jason Tatum, yeah. which would have been <laughs> problematic. I mean, he's, he's older than Devin Booker. That's just... A, a, that's a whole different conversation, but a very hilarious one. Um, I, in our last episode, we briefly talked about Grant Williams um, uh, and just, you know, wanting to bring in really smart basketball players who would accept their role immediately and understood their limitations and did not have delusions of grandeur. And I was pretty stunned that the Celtics just kind of took him at 22, but I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. I mean, this is like, they got a lot of Brad Stevens fit guys. I feel like if, if nothing else in this draft in terms of guys that do certain things well, that can play well within their roles. Again, that's something that last year's group was a problem. Very much was a problem. And yeah, just from watching him, obviously he seems to be super smart, super, you know, team first guy, huge accolades in the SEC for the last couple of years, player of the year twice in a row. Um, the jump shots from three-point range is a question mark, but great finisher down low, um, versatile defender, again, a little small to be a true big, but it's a situation where you, it's a lot to like, and someone who can, someone who can jump in right away and you're clearly going to have some big opportunity in the front court. And I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him playing 20, 25 minutes a game next year. Um, if he is, can do the things at the college level at a decent level uh, here. No, I mean, I, I just think it was a really smart pick. I mean, it, a lot of mock drafts had him lower, some going in the second round. So it was good for the Celtics to just stay true to their board. And clearly they valued him. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like, I, I think I, I either tweeted this or said it uh, in our last episode, but uh, I picked Tennessee to win it all in, in my uh, NCAA tournament pool. And so that was really the only team I was really locked in when I would watch their games. And, like, Grant Williams just made play after, like, he was my favorite player in the NCAA tournament because he just made play after play after play. Uh, and I never stressed when he had the ball in his hands, which is typically what happens whenever I watch college basketball and, rooting, and I'm rooting for one team over the other. I just don't trust any of these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really funny, going full circle, that the guy who just kind of cut my heart out uh, is the next player that the Celtics drafted um, out of Purdue. And... Uh, so that's like, like Carson Edwards just like 
completely annihilated Tennessee in the tournament and they had no answer for him. And uh, so he was my least favorite player. Uh, and so for the Celtics to kind of get Edwards, who uh, I, I saw uh, Synergy tweeted out that he is he was the most efficient isolation scorer in all of college basketball last year, which is, I mean, that's that's terrific to grab someone like that early in the second round. Uh, but to get Grant Williams, to get Carson Edwards, um, who, by the way, comes from Purdue, and uh, there's a little bit of a Celtics connection there, right, B-Rub? Uh, yes, there is. Um, a pseudo connection. A pseudo connection with, I mean, Micah Shrewsbury is going back to that staff, and they have very strong ties back there from right. Brad Stevens Butler's days. So you can, you know, the the team got the best kind of intel they could get there. Yeah, there's no question about that. So it's it's just it's good to pick up a guy like Edwards, a guy like Grant Williams. Um, it's almost like I don't want to say Romeo uh, panning out is like gravy because I'm so confident in the other two just having some sort of impact. Um, but that's kind of how I feel right now. Like my expectations are lowest for the highest pick. Yeah, I mean, as far as being able to both in terms of his position on the roster, like mm -hmm. he's got a lot of wings to, you know, fight for minutes for there and he'll get a chance at them, but there's nothing that's going to be given to him. Whereas Williams, um, they are just going to need, you know, bigger type players at the four and the five this year, like to that know how to play that are high IQ on defense to just kind of fill some of the Al Horford hole. And obviously the bench needed that kind of a big last year anyway, too. Um, and then Edwards, I I don't know how Cherry Rozier is thinking or feeling right now about his standing, <laughs> but that cannot help it because that is a guy who can come in and get, get buckets. buckets and get buck and get to the free throw line, which Terry Rozier is not able to do. Um, and yeah, like the, the Celtics were are clearly open to bring Rozier back in, in, in some form. Um, they've continually made that clear, but it's uh, they certainly have alternatives now. And I'm sure that they have a firm line in the sand with how much they're going to pay oh, yeah. Terry Rozier. And yeah, it just makes it a lot it's easier. It's called the away. qualifying offer. Um, <laughs> or uh, less than Fred Van Fleet got last year. Yeah, that's I believe was two and nineteen. That was a two-year um, deal. Yeah, yeah. So I think something along those lines might be, uh, they'd be open to. Uh, and I don't think Terry's prospects around the league getting a starting job got much better last night either. Yeah, with the uh, Bulls, yeah. uh, drafting Kobe White, that's pretty devastating for them. But um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see what happens. There's a really stupid teams out there like the Phoenix Suns, which we've already mentioned. Um, we should talk about them right now, though, because we haven't talked about the trade yet. Okay, wait. So before we get into the trade, we've kind of, I wouldn't say we've we have trashed Romeo Langford, but when you were watching the draft unfold, I guess, we, like, what was your, who did you want to see the Celtics take at 14? I mean, I wouldn't have minded a guy like Clark, who would just, you know, Run it again. You they bet on the the high upside guy or the higher upside guy. Like there were there were more sure things in that range, um, mm -hmm. like Clark, like Alexander Walker. Mm -hmm. That um, I was drawn. I would have like I wouldn't have mind 
uh, Harold either out of Kentucky who went, I think that was, I heard the Celtics were pretty high on as well and may have taken at 14 if the Heat didn't. That was a Pat Riley FU. Exactly. Yeah. uh, A special there. But no, I mean, there was no one, I mean, listen, this is, this is, if they were going to take a gamble on one of these guys in the first round or in the like top 35, like. They, they clearly, I don't mind taking the guy with the the upside before the draft because that's that's worked out before. Um, so is there anyone else here that they were in love enough to do, you know, to, to get a 14 otherwise? Probably not. So you, you roll the dice there, take some sure things later on, and then see how the chips fall. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. You, you, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, Brandon Clark would have been nice, but it feels like getting Grant Williams is kind of like the same type of player, maybe le- right. less athletic, but positionally that there would have been a lot of overlap there, and I'm perfectly fine with them going with Grant Williams. Um, I guess like the type of player is that, that they could have also taken would have been someone like Kevin Porter, who fell all the way to 30. Um and, uh, you know, Nasir Little dropped all the way to 25, but that's a te- that's not like a wing scorer, but that is someone who, um, uh, super young uh, and just a lot of upside and question marks and risk. And then, I mean, there's obviously like Bull Bull, but I don't even think we should, we don't really yeah, I mean, need to bring him like up. Yeah, that's like a whole yeah. different canaries. Yeah, it seems like you said, those are the other, you know, risk reward type guys. But clearly, Langford like has the fewest question marks above them. I think from a from a character standpoint, I think, mm. which it feels like after this past year, like they must have prioritized. Right, they prioritized to a degree. He's from Indiana again. I have no, you know, Brad Stevens. You know, he was a legend in Indiana bas- high school basketball, which I imagine that Brad Stevens still falls religiously to some degree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was probably more of a sure thing to them than to other teams in the draft in terms yeah. of what they were getting. And Plus, most mocks had Romeo going pretty high. Yeah, like in the late teens, early 20s, it seemed like that was his range. Yeah. So they were a little early with it, but, you know, they also got seemingly the guy they wanted. Yeah. Okay, I, I, we can move on to the Phoenix. Yeah, so we need to... Aaron's. This is... Not the surprise. We knew that the Celtics were shopping Baines. So I think we should start here, first of all, okay. with the the news that the Celtics are shopping Baines for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I just wrote about this today of being like, why do this right now? Like, getting, trading Aaron Baines, a, a reasonable contract. You have a huge hole at center. You don't know what you have available for you on the free agent market. Um, why just try to find a team to dump them to um, now? Um, well, I mean, what you got for him was, I think, a much more useful asset, uh, for sure. Well, really- no, no, I mean, you, you traded 24. I don't think Baines was any... You didn't get an asset for Baines here because you traded 24 for the right, 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 first right, right. round pick. Yeah. So yes. Baines was just like, we're going to do this deal and we're also going to make Baines as a part of this. I honestly think it was a well, there's, a net there's... negative. I, I kind of think it was a it was a, a neutral slash negative asset for the Celtics. Well, and, you know, obviously the 
upside in we, I think we're going to talk about this more later on in a, a future episode, but you know, opening up more cap space for uh, and becoming a very active player in free agency because it's now looking like you're, you're, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford are both potentially going to leave and you can open up max space now. So I think that was certainly a factor here. And, uh, you know, we'll see what type of player that they want to bring in in free agency or can get. Um, but I think that was that was also uh, a, a definite factor. But couldn't they just do that later once they know who they could get in free agency? Like, you get someone to commit and then you dump Baines. You know, yeah. as opposed to dumping Baines preemptively. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying, and I I guess I just don't have a a, a problem with doing it this way. Um, like, I don't. What is the downside for for them to to move on from Baines now? And maybe they're doing him a favor by letting him go sooner than later, and letting him because I I assume that the Suns are going to buy him out. Who who the hell knows with that organization? The Sun, I mean, I think reports out of Phoenix is that they were not planning to that is a bummer <laughs> so i think this is straight up being like we want to get you know we'll take a mentor for deandre ayton yeah at, and then uh, I, I mean it, we always say like i guess who knows like i don't really know how aaron baines is viewed around the league i i, I think it's pretty weird that he opted in in the first place like you know what i mean like i i so who knows what maybe this was the Celtics kind of gauged it and weren't positive that they wouldn't have to give up another asset to dump this contract, which it's, sounds... I think you just nailed it right there. Like I think yeah. they, I think first of all, they thought Baines opted in to this deal, knowing that things were in flux with the Celtics, knowing that Kyrie was probably gone and Horford, there were questions there. But he wasn't going to get $5.4 million in the open market because the center for agent market is loaded with like serviceable bigs. And the demand, the supply is going to outrank the demand, I feel like. So like by getting, doing this now, I feel like they are essentially saying like, we don't want to risk having to give up something later to dump him. So we just need to like sneak him in into a deal now to a team of cap space now so it's just like we get it done yeah exactly um so but it is interesting to me like why he couldn't get more i thought it was pretty curious when he did opt in a little bit did that take you by surprise at all or was that kind of expected i was expecting i mean maybe maybe he wouldn't have opted in now knowing that he was gonna get traded to phoenix um, <laughs> but I do think that he figured like, Hey, like, um, you know, I'm serviceable. Maybe they'll keep me around here. Even if things kind of go sideways. And again, you just look at the, I mean, I'm going to just go run down some, some free agent centers right now. You have like Dwayne Dedman, Ed Davis, Robin Lopez, like Looney, Cousins, Zubach, McGee, 
Todd Gibson, Vonley, Nerlens Noel, Cantor, Kufus. It's just, it's a lot of guys, and they're not very too. good. But like Baines can't be like I'm a lot better than most. He's better defensively, obviously, but he was hurt a lot last year, and like a lot of teams are going to be spending money elsewhere and not prioritizing center. So, like he was probably just like I just got to take my money. Yeah, and then also. I think the trade market will be very fluid and there's a lot of centers that could get moved. There's, you know, from Clint Capella, Steven Adams, Miles Turner, like nothing would be totally outlandish. So, so yeah, I think the Celtics were just attacking when they could and taking advantage of a team in Phoenix that has no idea what it's doing. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they want to force Brad to play younger guys too? Hmm. I, I mean, when I say young guys, I mean Robert Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. Uh, maybe. Um, I mean, we're going to see what happens in free agency and, and what type of players they're able to get again at the center position. Um, but that, that could be it. I don't know how much of a, how aggressive that would have been a factor in, in their decision-making because I just think that's such a win-win or a win for the Celtics to get off that money um, and, and pick up that future pick, which, you know, again, it's not, as you, you pointed out earlier, like they moved the 24th, uh, 24th pick um, and uh, got back a future first from Milwaukee. But I feel like the future first, it was good to get like a a future pick, uh, in uh, potential trades in the future. So that was, yeah, I, I just think it was a good deal for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, you want, that's the other part of it. Like, you want, you want to kick the can on a draft asset, especially yeah. after you got 33, because you, for that next big trade, you want, you know, first round, future first round picks are always going to be more valuable than, you know, Ty Jerome a year from now. Like no matter, even though it's probably going to be like number 29 or number 30 from the bucks. Yeah. Like it's still, the unknown is always more valuable than, than, than like known unless a guy, you know, has a huge breakout year, which in that case, you don't want to trade him anyway. So, um, they did secure that. That was, a a nice, you know, maneuver by the front office there, but it is, I mean, it is not confusing to a degree, but like I guess I assume that the the front office kind of viewed it as, you know, we can get a serviceable center at the veterans' men at some point if we need to, based on that list we just read. Um, but like, you know, Baines' presence in like Brad Stevens loved Baines, and we asked him about him last night, and he was like, Crying. "I can't really comment." Yeah, pretty much, he was like <laughs> wiping away tears, being like. I can't really comment on it right now, but you guys know how much I love him. Like I'm paraphrasing, but not really. So like big based on all the like high character guys they're trying to bring in and the culture they're trying to reestablish, like, I don't know. It it is kind of like, you know, you can make a case for keeping Baines here next year. I mean, I thought he was besides being injury prone, just a really, I mean, I was preaching, uh, you know, for them to start him 
like for, right. for most most of the season and uh, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, and I thought that the Baines Horford duo was really successful, but it it is like I don't know what Baines' value is in Boston if Horford isn't here. Either. Right? Was it just like a complimentary thing where Horford's yeah. gone, we don't need Baines anymore? Or yeah, just like m- maybe I don't I don't know. Um, but his value was certainly like as the quote unquote Horford protector in the paint, and he would do a lot of other things too. But I think that was definitely a a, a part of his value in Boston. And yet that grouping only spent like 70 minutes together last year. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Um, and I do wonder, just looking, starting to, to look forward here as we get into what the Celtics have up their sleeve now, heading into free agency, just clearing the deck at the position heading into free agency. Um, obviously, not just from a money perspective, but from like an opportunity perspective. Mm-hmm. And selling potential targets on that um, going forward. I wonder how much that... I always say you don't need to do that now. You can just tell a guy you're going to get your dupum, but it's one thing to say you're going to do it. It's another thing to be like, we're literally wide open here. We have the space. We have the space for you, and we have um, you know, 35 minutes a game and 20 shots a game with your name on it. Yeah, free agency is, I think... think it's 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 really difficult to kind of separate the moves that were made at the draft and kind of grade them before we see what the team does in free agency. I think that applies to a ton of teams throughout the league um, and definitely locks itself into the Celtics and analyzing this Aaron Baines deal, um, especially if they go out and sign uh, someone like Nikola Vucevic in free agency. You know, uh, we'll see what happens there, but you don't need Aaron Baines all of a sudden if you get him. Um, what did you think about the, the, uh, which was kind of attached to this, which the Philly trade? Yeah. I mean, it's a good value trade for the Celtics. They, you move down a couple spots and you pick up a high second round pick, which helps you open up more cap space. And given how even this draft is in terms of prospects in that range, I heard there was more talking in this, you know, more potential wheeling and dealing in the 10 to 40 range in this draft than almost any other draft before. Hmm. Just based on the level playing field among those prospects. So, yeah, getting an extra getting an extra quality guy for less money. Um, you know, and apparently, I mean, the, the story of how the Celtics seemingly sniffed out out in Prance promise here too, I think it's pretty entertaining have you seen that no I, I i did not i mean reportedly the sixers had made a, a promise to um i'm gonna butcher his name right now let me pull it up the matisse thibel thibel Mat- exactly yeah and so they leveraged that into the 24th and 33rd overall pick from the sixers that's basically like what hinky did to the orlando magic years ago with saric and right. uh, alfred payton right um, that's funny. Uh, like it is. Yeah, that is pretty funny. But do you think like, did any part of you, like, is it worth it for the Celtics to keep that 20th pick and, uh, you know, not take Thibel or however you say his name. And even though he is 
seems to be like he's going to be a, a pretty good player and he's high character and he was one of the better defensive perimeter defenders in the draft. But like, I don't know, like if you were still going to get Grant Williams at 22, presumably right at 20, maybe, you know, take uh, Darius Baisley or uh, Nasir Little, or that's a place where maybe you could also swing on Kevin Porter. Like, do you, did you think that that was an opportunity missed at all? I don't actually probably would have been because they really needed, they needed to move to kick the can on one of these picks. They needed to come out of here for a future first rounder. And if you take that pick, you don't. So they, they managed to leverage the situation the best they could in the sense that they got 33. So they didn't get a, you know, that's not 20, obviously, but that's still, you know, a guy that you like a lot. And then the more important thing to me from the, the long-term future planning is that you get the, which we talked about, just having extra assets in the holster for when opportunities arise. And that could be as soon as the next 12 months, or that could be far longer from now. But, you know, you were only going to have the Memphis pick left as your one first round pick that wasn't owned by yourself if you didn't turn one of these into a future pick. So I'm more in favor of the the way they went. Just get that future pick in so you have more things to overwhelm uh, the Wolves with when Carl Anthony Towns become available or Devin Booker if the son if he goes ass out of Phoenix in a couple of years or right. whatever else or Bradley Beal at the trade deadline this year. Yeah, it was also those are all really good points and it's also like that this kind of allowed them to do the Aaron Baines trade, right? Like it made it easier right. for that, which is uh, the the two trades are really connected in a lot of ways. Um, it, what really hurt my soul was that in our last episode, I the first player that I said I wanted the Celtics to take was Ty Jerome. Mm. And then I saw that the Celtics drafted him, and I was like, through the moon. And then he immediately got traded to yeah. the Suns, which is, uh, that was a dagger to my gut right there. Yeah. It is, I mean, a lot of people I talked to are really high on him. So... It is, uh, but I guess they just, I mean, they, they went hard on point guard too. We haven't even talked about uh, their fourth pick of the night, who, um, out of LSU, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to find it. Tremont Waters? Yeah, Waters. Yes. Who actually is a lot of fun to watch after seeing some highlights in the last, you know, he was obviously a monster in the tournament, but... Oh, is this the dude who everyone was comparing to Fred Van Vliet? Yeah. Yeah. Van Vliet uh, or Shane Larkin 2.0. Oh, my God. Defense. Um, Be still my beating heart. Right? Yeah. So, but again, I don't know what. He's probably going to have to be a two-way. Again, Terry Rozier, not feeling great. But, I mean, he seems to be, you know, good enough where he's not necessarily going to want to go on a two-way. Like, they might maybe force his tender, but... Um, you know, it's going to be a really competitive camp for the Celtics if they, assuming they don't bring in um, a big name free agent, because there's going to be a lot of minutes to be. Say if they like renounce Rozier and Marcus Morris, 
and Marcus Morrison used that money on a big or via trade and just kind of go say, all right, we're going to go smart Jalen and, um, and then Carson Edwards is going to be in play for backup minutes with, um, whatever else is left over with, with, with Romero, obviously, then it could be really, you know, I don't know if it's, you want to say competitive, but just, just opportunity will be very ripe in the backcourt. Yeah, I'm looking at Carson Edwards' numbers right now. Um, Ten threes he, a game. He took a lot of threes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was looking at the field goal percentage, sub 40, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I'm not really that concerned because he got to the free throw line over six attempts per game and shot ten and a half threes a game, and he made them at a pretty good clip. Made over 40% last year, too, which is... Yeah, this is uh yeah, that's pretty exciting. I think the summer league team will be uh awesome oh, potentially. Yeah. Um especially if Robert Williams plays. Is, do you think he's going to play? Oh, 100% he'll play. Okay, good. Uh yeah, that will be that'll be a blast of a team. Uh and yeah, it's, it's probably going to be the, the best team in summer like talent-wise, it might be the best team in summer league. I mean, maybe the Pelicans. With Zion, obviously, but like you're gonna have Pels have some beasts on there. I guess the dude Jackson Hayes is his name. The yeah, the center. Yeah, um, which by the way, weird is. Am I crazy? Or is that is that kind of weird of of a fit with Zion? I guess like it seems like he's gonna be. He's just a rim running center, right? Right. Who like can't shoot is from my understanding and. Zion hit two pull-up jumpers in his college career, so two bigs who can't shoot is just an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's. I think that's just like a you know this guy projects well as a long-term fit, and so it seems like he's got work to do there. But you know they have obviously tons of tons of picks to gamble with and just be patient with, and hopefully you know he'll probably come off the bench to start, and then. You know, Zion will probably play some time at the five too, but yeah, maybe it's a nice compliment down the line. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like all of this stuff. Analyzing the draft again, it can't really be stressed enough how difficult it is without knowing what the Celtics are going to do in free agency. And it 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 would it looks to me like they've laid the ground to be aggressive. That's my hunch because of the pieces that they took. And the confidence that they'll have in renouncing all of their free agents, renouncing Morris and and Terry Rozier, uh, opening up like plenty of of, of uh, being able to afford a seven through nine year experience max player pretty easily. Yeah, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise you if he uh, slid in those minutes. I think that, that, that this team will be aggressive. I know you think that they'll they'll more likely to take on a. Uh, an unwanted contract and pick up more assets. But I, I think, I really think this team is going to be out there for an actual max player. And that's like, that's super exciting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like it, it's, it's kind of funny just how the winds of the NBA change so rapidly. Like it looked like when the Celtics, when news hit that the Celtics were going to lose Horford as well, that it was kind of a doomsday scenario and I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they could sign a guy who kind of turns it around in a season that is essentially up for grabs next year. Yeah, I mean, it's 
Kawhi Leonard is going to come right? to the Celtics. Exactly. Is basically I mean, what I'm saying. The Celt- like the Danny Ainge had a press conference on this like late, you know, at 1 a.m. on Friday morning, and was very defiant in terms of being like, "Hey, we're we're we were prepared for this. Like, we're ready for this." He obviously couldn't comment on anything Horford or Kyrie related, but you know, did not reading between the lines and what the Celtics did last night kind of tells the story there. And so quick, quick, sorry to interrupt. Quick question for you. What, like, how crazy do you think we we would get in terms of a talented free agent coming in for like a meeting? Like, I mean, that's a great question. Like, do you think that like, why isn't, I'm just throwing this out there, but like, why isn't KD you know, a pseudo possibility. Why isn't Kawhi? Why? How? Why couldn't they get a meeting? You know, like I, I'm not saying that they're they're actually in those conversations because these players probably weren't considering the Celtics as a destination this whole time, and they've probably locked in on on the on the organizations, and they've already done their due diligence about and, and gotten all the information that they want about the Clippers and the Nets and the Knicks and these teams, but. Like, why, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I can't really put my finger on why none of those players would even listen to the Celtics pitch them because I think the Celtics have a very intriguing sales pitch for these guys, to be honest with you. Well, Danny Ainge thinks so, too, because this was his quote last night. Okay. Um, when asked about his approach for free agency or just the offseason, quote, it's not going to change. Maybe the players and the names on the jersey change, but the approach is the same. We have a very attractive franchise to play for, and there's a lot of people who would be dying to come play here. <laughs> okay, well, that's certainly projecting from a position of, of strength. Um, I very don't interesting. notice Al Horford walking out of the door on the other side of the room here, but yeah, everyone's dying to play here. Um <laughs> So this is, I don't want to say that they're like, I understand this attitude. Like you want to project strength. You want to project positivity because what's the point of being doom and gloom about it? Like it's a, everyone can read between the lines and see that. Um, Mm -hmm. With that said, saying people are dying to come play here when you're about to lose your top two players um, is a strong statement. And Maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe they think, listen, we're going to get a meeting with, you know, again, Durant is like, I'm not like Durant, Kawhi, those names are not even realistic for a meeting, I feel like. But then do you, I mean, do you try for meetings with Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, like, and then obviously you have a next tier of, of course you're going to get the meetings with like Vucevic and the next tier of free agents that, may or may not be deserving of a max deal. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's very clear from last night that the Celtics fully intend on being in on those conversations, even if they don't, you know, act on, get offer a full max for a guy like Foose or uh, obviously get sign a, a top tier max guy. Right. And then we should also say that just having cap space, you know, there's more things you can do with it than just sign a free agent outright. Um, you can absorb 
players and trades who are on hefty contracts. And, uh, you know, there's going to be teams that are looking to pivot, that are looking to, that, that are surveying the landscape, even though it feels like it's a win now situation for most of the leagues. Some teams will look at it and be like, we don't really want to be in the tax when there are, you know, 11 teams that are going for it right now that are seriously considering themselves as, as championship contenders. So like a, a Steven Adams could become available and then you can kind of just take that contract in. And there's a, uh, you know, I don't like Clint Capella, but Clint Capella may be available. And so it's just, it, it, it just having all that room, uh, it doesn't necessarily, I, I'm not, it, I'm not really speaking to what, what Danny said, because this is again, a trade and that those players are kind of, it's kind of out of their hands, whether or not they go to the Celtics and whether or not they're happy, but there's a lot of options that the Celtics will have, and I'm sure that they will turn over every rock over the next yeah, I mean, few weeks. It's clear from last night, publicly projecting plan A is sign a max free agent that we want. The likelihood of that plan coming to fruition is, I don't think, great. Um, but I think a strong plan B for the interim is what you just described. Is Do you not... Do you not think it's great because they just lost Horford and Kyrie? I think that's part. I mean, I think it's like how things look right now, like how last season went, um, like from a team-wide perspective. Like, it's not just Al and Kyrie leaving. It's like, you know, Tatum and Jalen aren't like, you know, didn't take big steps forward and didn't. But we don't, like, it's, no one's, like, a no dumbass a, who's, no like, looking dummy, at the situation. Like, you know no, for I mean? sure, but, like, yeah, it wasn't all their fault, but, like, are you going to have a realistic, do you think you're going to put that team over the top to take down, you know, Giannis or the Sixers? Like, and maybe some free agent will think yes, but with the amount of other teams with in better destinations and with arguably better, you know, sur- supporting cast in place um it might be a tough sell but all it takes is one guy to buy it though so we don't know yeah the the like the thing is it's just it's not particularly easy it's not the easiest thing in the world to to prize someone away in free agency right. especially if you're a guy like Vucevic we'll, we'll use just Vucevic and Kemba as the two primary examples because I think they're the best here um you know both those guys are on teams that may offer them five-year max contracts and they might use the Celtics as leverage or a team like the Celtics as leverage to get that fifth year and get that that extra however many million dollars that will be guaranteed. Uh, so it's, it's not easy, um, but I just think that like if you are Vucevic or you are Kemba, the Celtics are like on a different level in terms of a lot of things like national TV exposure, uh, winning, like the, there's serious talent on the Celtics roster. Um, there's, they have playoff experience, experience. There's, uh, a much higher, uh, like ambition and goals. Like clearly they want to win a title. That's what the ownership group has stated multiple times. Like you cannot say the same thing in Charlotte where they just will not pay the luxury tax. Michael Jordan's allergic to it. Or Orlando, where, like, I mean, just look at Orlando. It's like... Yeah, no, you you, you have a better pitch than those yeah. current teams. 
there's no question. Like, you don't have to convince me on that. It's more like I think other teams, like the Clippers, you know, may be searching hard. Dallas has a surprisingly, you know, good-looking young core. Can I um, stop you for one second? I'm just thinking out loud. Why is why are the Clippers more of an attractive destination for anyone than the Celtics? Because is it Southern California is that is that literally it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Southern California, and you you have a bunch of fun guys to play with. I feel like on that team, there might be more talent on paper in Boston, mm-hmm. but you know, based on if I was a guy and looked at the way each team played last year, I'd be like, I want to go to the Clippers. Yeah, but. <laughs> the Celtics wouldn't have Kyrie next year. And he seems to be I like know, the still. source of the discontent. Well, that's maybe you like Kyrie. Maybe you're a Kyrie fan, which seems a lot of players are in the league. Yeah, that's, that is fair. That, that, that is fair. Like, you know, like that's why did they get Kyrie here in the first place? I hope that AD would want to come here. Yeah. And then we thought how that worked out. So like, I don't think, you know, in their head, they can think that they're, you know, you should want to play here. Why would you leave? And then you look at the guys that are leaving and you have to think that kind of processing is going to factor into other decisions around yeah. the league for what how players view. So, things. yeah, okay. That's that's entirely all fair. I agree with all that. Um, we, and I don't want to be a downer because, like, I... No, you're bumming me out. <laughs> I'm just so again, They're, like, lifting themselves off the mat here. But it is. It's like you can't. The spin here is like expected, but like, I mean, let's be fair here. This is, this is not a disaster outright, but like, you have to. Everything going forward is there's so much more pressure now to execute. Like the, the margin for error for everything now is is very slim. I agree. To get back. So semi-switching gears, but not really. I wanted to ask you a question that we actually did not have in our pre-recorded outline here, but it just sprung it. it I, I it did just, not agree. It, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put you through this. Out of line. Um, but it just popped in my head, and it has to do with Kyrie, because we were just kind of talking about him a little bit. Um, there was a report in the New York Post uh, recently that the Brooklyn Nets may not be pumped about just bringing in Kyrie Irving <laughs> if they cannot get yeah. another max free agent, uh, be it, I mean, Kevin Durant is the guy that th- I think they envisioned getting with Kyrie. Um, so my question to you is if the Nets are suddenly like, thanks, no thanks to Kyrie. Are you... T- I'm not saying Kyrie. What, what is the what do you like? What even happens to him? Does he just sign with the Knicks? Like what is like maybe he just signs with the Knicks? I guess that's yeah. That Knicks like the Lakers have, are going through a thing right now where they might not have enough money. Um, so he just signs with the Knicks. Is that is that what would happen if the Nets are like no thank you? Yeah, I guess you could. He could wait to see if the Clippers offer him too. I could see that. Um, well, the Cl- the Clippers. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the Clippers are yeah, too Clippers smart have, for that. But I, I mean, you would yeah. think so. Like we'll see how like all these teams now. Like even if I was the Knicks, I'd have this. I mean, you're not in a position to be 
you know, choosy. But at the same time, you're like, all right, like, if Duran is somewhere else, then you're bringing Kyrie by himself with a bunch of young guys. Like, how's that going to go? That team doesn't even make um, the playoffs next year. And then, I mean, you would have a ton of flexibility still if you only signed Kyrie. And then maybe you could, you know, trade for KD at some point or something like that. But it, it just, it, it would, I don't know. It's really ugly. So you're saying that no matter what, the Celtics have moved on from Kyrie internally. No, it is. I mean, I think in their head they have because they don't want to. You have to plan. You know, but you have to, if if he comes back, then, like, I guess it, you have to ask a bunch of other questions here. It's like, can you, is, is Al, is Al back in that situation? Is, and if that's the situation, then you feel pretty, you're pretty upset that the draft was ahead of free agency based on what you did. Which is what, I mean, (laughs) that's something that I think the Celtics have been very, like, pushing to change for a while now. And other teams around the league have as well. It's really, it's inane at this point, to be honest, that the draft is uh, before free agency. But yeah, that five, whatever percent chance of that scenario happening, which I think is still very small, but probably higher than zero, like then yeah, like that's, that's, uh, of course you take, you, you, you take both of them back, but then you are in trouble in terms of maximizing things for next season because you just, you just use assets that you probably would have preferred to trade for more win now pieces. A la Anthony Davis. Maybe. <laughs> Correct. Maybe. Uh it's um, free agency is going to be wild. Free agency is going to be wild. Um, let's let's finish up. I liked it. We did this last time. I'm gonna. I've made a list of some uh, some big contracts. Okay. To uh, that the Celtics could conceivably take into their cap room in a uh, trade if they do. Yeah. In a trade if they if they strike out in free agency. Um. So do you want to start with like the most attractive or the least? Let's attractive? go least to most. Least the most, okay. Um, well, they can't even absorb this one, but but Chris Paul, what's the price? What's what? What are you asking for? How many first two. picks? Two. Eh, that's probably you're I mean, aiming low. I want. Five. Oh, that's low. Okay. Um, I because uh, you're not sending anything no. back in this situation, or you're sending you're sending something useful Yahoo? back. Maybe you. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um I uh I don't know. I, I I I would not really be comfortable taking on Chris Paul's contract because I think that third year is just it's really scary. But I'm I'm high, I think I'm higher on Chris Paul the player still than a lot of people that I talk to. Right. I mean, he would have I still think he's 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 not like de- like dead in the water. I don't think by any stretch, but there's obviously grading uh, character flaws, I guess one could say, about him and how he goes about his business and just his ability. His w- it's got to be better than Kyrie. I mean, like, that's 100% you know? 
True. I mean, I could not imagine Chris Paul going out like Kyrie did in the Bucks series. I'll say that about Chris Paul. Um, and also, he tries I on mean, both it's, ends. It, but, yeah. It's not happening because it's Just, the, it limits what the Celtics can do long-term because that contract is so big that, like... It's just yeah. a yeah. It's a, it's it's just it, yeah. it weighs on you. And we'll wait, so that was the least it. attractive. I I mean I guess Wiggins. I don't know. Like in, in terms of length and amount, like is Wiggins the next one? In fact, I mean Wiggins. Yeah, like Wiggins is on. Um. Right. Uh, <laughs> I would I, I would ask for a lot i think if i i'm so out on andrew wiggins that i would not even really have a conversation with that organization about him but i would ask for like culver or like i don't know like i would ask for attractive pieces that i know that they would not accept um batum uh absolutely not <laughs> two years 25 like two first round picks Two unprotected first round Two picks. Two unprotected first round picks. Um, the Hornets bring back Walker. Oh, so they're bringing they back wanna, Kemba. They want, they're bringing back Kemba. They don't want to go high into the tax. They want to like help the team now. They're dumb. And so they're like, all right, we need to really Two unprotected first, I'm assuming, in 2020 and 2022. Damn. That's interesting. Um, I think Batum might be... He's looked really, really bad. Like, very, very, very bad. And, you know, there's a question about the, you know, his ability to even stay healthy enough to play. Um, I'm I'm more, as I've said on this pod earlier, I'm more about getting impact players. But, I mean, this would not be a w- absolute worst-case scenario. Um, I just don't know what he can still give you. He's yeah, not a mummy, but, like... Would- I don't know. I got how old is Nick Batum right now? Late twenties. Uh, believe he is. No, he's got to be like thirty. But he's point. thirty. I mean, okay, yeah. yeah, that's. Um. Other. Other bad ones that we'll go through quickly here. Um. Stephen Adams. That's more net Like you, they probably have to give up one first round pick there. Um, Andre Drummond. Oh wow, Drummond. Um, twenty-seven million. Maybe you get a first-round pick for. You know, you obviously have to send something back, but maybe you get a first-round pick with him. That's I interesting. I, I'd rather have Adams, to be honest. I think Adams is just yeah. good, um, and he's young. And you, I mean, uh, Drummond isn't right. old, but uh, you could then re-sign. Adams when he, he came up in free agency in a couple of years. Right. And yeah, so that's, those are the, wait, the, so Drummond was the most guys. attractive. No, 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 that those like, he was the best okay, of the worst. Good. Of, like, uh, I was getting years, nervous like, about your analytical yeah, ability. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in terms of like easy one year, like okay. possibilities, um, you have the Hornets. There's like, Biombo, Marvin Williams, Kid Gilchrist, like maybe you get a first attached to one of those. Um, you have uh, the Portland trifecta, Evan Turner. Evan Turner would be Myers Leonard. Awesome. I, uh, yeah, I would be very excited about Evan Turner coming back to the Celtics. 
So maybe you get a first round pick for taking him on. Yeah. Um, um, Jeff Teague. No. When you're Rich a, is the one who loves Jeff Teague, um, right? Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chandler Parsons. Uh, no. Um, and then, I don't know, this is, I don't know what this contract's value is or doesn't, isn't, um, the Celtics should really not want to take Kevin Love on, but like that, that would technically fit. Uh, but I don't think the Cavs view him as a negative asset, so I don't think you're going to get anything for him. uh, Hmm. I mean, no, I, I think Love is still pretty good. I don't know if he'll ever make another all-star team. Um, and you're kind of betting on him to reach that level again, if you're taking that contract on, even if you can get a first, which you're, you're almost definitely not going to. Although I think Cleveland has a couple extra firsts somewhere. Um, maybe not. No, they're in a I know. Position where they're looking yeah. to dump, they're like in the other mode right now, so it's like it doesn't work. Yeah, I know they're trying to. Maybe they'll get desperate if they, quote unquote, are unable to move off of J.R. Smith's contract, which I read, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You can get, a, you should be able to get off anything, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the teams realistically that could be desperate here are like Charlotte or OKC. OKC definitely. Miami, Miami obviously. Yeah. We haven't even talked about them yet, but with Whiteside and any other, like, half their roster is bad contracts that they want to dump. And, um, yeah, because other teams, and then maybe Minnesota. We know Wiggins is being shopped, but he's probably being shopped without the necessary pieces attached to get rid of him. So. Well, how long is how long has Wiggins I, been getting shopped, though? Like, the day he signed that signed deal? That yeah, exactly. Like, just like, holy crap. So, I don't know, like, it's going to be interesting what the Celtics do here. Because they can, you know, they'll make their play in free agency. And then, if they don't get anyone they really want, then they can, you know, line things up. You know, try to find some good value deals in the second or third wave of guys. Or they can hopefully wait till one of these teams gets desperate to, like, improve or just, like, dump these guys. Um and keep that cap space open for that, which would not necessarily would be a step back in terms of like, we really want to compete now. We're like, you know, we're excited, but as far as the long term, might be uh, a good way to replenish the asset pool and uh, maybe give you, get a guy that can still give you something. Yeah. I feel like uh, we're going to early next week before free agency, begins uh we're gonna have kind of a more in-depth conversation about some of these pieces and bring up some new pieces and talk more directionally about what the celtics are able to do um but i think we're uh we're ready to uh go out on this is this the end of this episode b rob is there anything else that we we missed no that's that that is it and I don't know. I kind of feel like free agency. It feels like the middle of July already a little bit, based on how busy the last two weeks have been with free agency developments in the middle of June. So, put on your hats, people, because um, the next two weeks will just be even wilder, and we'll be 
back with you next week at full strength uh, to break it all down. Rich is going to fill us in on his scouting and find out what he thinks of all these, a crazy week for the Celtics and what could be another crazy week to come.